welcome to Grace. We're happy to have you all here to worship with us today. I am back one last time with our final quizzing update for you guys as both the junior and the senior year has come to an end. Noah, Joseph, if you could come forward. So I'd like to start with Junior Nationals, which was held in Branson at the end of July. 153 teams attended from across the country. Um, I'm not as involved in juniors as I have been in the past with seniors, but that seems like a record to me. That's quite a lot of teams. Joseph and his teammate Delilah, they quizzed very well. They ran into some competitive teams. They quizzed well, represented our church with grace and poise, both in wins and in losses. Joseph was the highest scorer in two of his games, one of which he received a gold medal for uh, because he got over 100 points in that game, and he was the second highest scorer in another game. Joseph also earned a very prestigious award at uh, his last Junior Nationals, a spot in the Hall of Fame. The Quizzing Hall of Fame is not unlike any other sport-related Hall of Fame. Quizzers earn this achievement by being some of the best quizzers on a national level. You're awarded points for every year that you attend nationals, as well as for placement at nationals. And a very select few are inducted each year, and Joseph was one of them. Quite an honor. So Joseph and his team, they had an incredible year. You know, I've, I've been up here um, over the last few months telling you guys about it, full of growth and many achievements. But Joseph ended his quiz season on the highest of notes, in my opinion, by deciding to quiz again next year in seniors. So, speaking of seniors, uh, the Senior National Tournament was held two days after the conclusion of the Junior Tournament in St. Charles, Missouri. Uh, I think there were 114 teams present there. Noah and his teammate Nathaniel had never attended a senior nationals before, only ever juniors, and it's a whole different ball game. So it was an exciting learning experience for them. Noah and Nathaniel, they placed 17th, which is very impressive for their first year at a senior nationals. Noah quizzed out two of his games. He received a gold medal, a silver medal, two gold medal, a silver medal, and he made the all-tournament team which means that he was in the top seven individual scorers of the tournament. He was the only first-year senior quizzer on the all-tournament team. Quite an accomplishment for Noah as well. But more than the trophies and the awards, nationals and the whole quiz experience, it's full of so many God moments from beginning each day of quizzing with prayer, to daily devotionals, which include praise and worship, sermons from some of the UPCI's most powerful preachers that bring down the house, which leads to altar calls that make it difficult for us to stick to a schedule. But y'all, these quizzers know how to have church. And this is where callings are given, they're received, where young people, they just begin to realize what this is all about, and they allow their lives to be changed. It's phenomenal. And it's been a year of hard work and dedication for both of these quizzers, and I could not be more proud of them and all of their efforts. Joseph's last question on his last quiz of the year had him quote Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. A perfect way to end this quiz season and a beautiful reminder of what this is all about. So next year's study and materials, they've been released along with a promo video 
that I would like to show you guys. Peyton, if you could cue that up. From his confinement in Rome, Paul wrote that to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called requires the devotion to become a prisoner of the Lord. It was that devotion, stronger than any chain, that bound Paul first and foremost to Jesus Christ. After thousands of miles of missions trips, over sea and land, through beatings and stonings and shipwreck, Paul was now an ambassador who could not go. Yet his arrest did not deter him from boldly preaching and teaching, writing and training. His prayer was always for another chance to share the mystery of Christ. It was this undiminished devotion that declared, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. That same devotion would trade his chain for a crown. Paul proved that despite his bonds, the word of God is never bound. His example caused this generation to be unashamed, willing to partake even in affliction, to commit the gospel to others as it was committed to you. Just as Paul instructed Timothy, making full proof of your ministry today requires watching, enduring, and working. You are called to be wholly devoted. Quizzing is not an easy ministry, but it is so worth it. It's not a hobby or an activity. It's a way of life. It permeates everything and it changes the way that you and your family live. It makes God and his word so real in a way that nothing else can. The 2023 quiz season is going to be a good one. Devoted Paul's words, um, his epistles, it's a wonderful study. As a quizzer, I've quizzed over it. As a coach, I've coached it. I can tell you it's powerful. The 2023 quiz season starts in January. Learning starts now. So if you and your family are interested in getting involved in this ministry, please come see me after church. Thank you so much. Let's give another hand clap of praise to the Lord this morning. So impressed by the devotion of those young men, of their time and, and their energy to learning the Word of God. It's good to see all of you here this morning. It's good to see you. You look great. Praise the Lord. Look, uh, look next door to you and greet the person next to you. Tell them they look good this morning. Don't lie, though. Praise the Lord. It is good to see you this morning. It's good to have uh, any guests. If you're a guest here at Grace, thank you so much for being with us. And if you're joining us on live stream, thank you as well. Uh, as I was thinking about our, our live stream attendees this morning, something occurred to me that we have to understand that God is not confined by geography. Just because I believe God's going to move here in, in a very short order. Just because he moves here does not mean he can't do something tremendous with you at home, wherever you may be joining us through live stream. God is not confined by geography, nor is he frustrated by the content of your lives. God can do great things if we can just yield ourselves to him. I'm so grateful to know the Lord this morning. There's a few things that I have to tell you about. Uh, Wednesday, August 10th, our kids' church will resume. I'm sure our young people will be very happy about that. And Sunday, August 14th, Brother Greg Albritton will be speaking in our 11 a.m. service. I'm so excited. 
Uh, also, that same day, August 14th, we will have a baked good sale for Move the Missions. It will be held in the lobby. And if you'd like to donate something, please speak to Sister Tanya, if you don't mind. Do you love the Lord this morning? I'm excited to worship this morning. Let's stand to our feet and lift our voices to the Lord. God bless you.
Shackles are no more 
Every stronghold shall be broken 
So we're going to pray very focused, very specific prayer today over that. But I, I appreciate Fair gave me a great idea today, and I love it. We have a host of school administrators and teachers and, and folks involved at some level in school and education. And so I'm going to ask you folks to come forward as well. We want to pray over you as you start your school year. And so if you're a teacher, administrator, uh, paraprofessional, work in the church or in the school office, cafeteria, anything, please come forward. We have a host of these folks in our church. We're thankful for them. We're proud of them. And we want to pray over them as well. And so just to just to set this up, what we're going to do, uh, we're praying over the prayer calls, praying over our students, praying over our educators. We're going to take a few minutes to pray. This is not a 30-second prayer. I'm going to be praying some very specific things. You can follow my lead, but whatever you do, I'm asking you to pray, and I'm asking you to release your faith. And we're going to pray for a couple of minutes here together. This is important. This is important. And we're going to send our kids back to school in power and anointing. Amen? Amen. So we're going to pray for peace, protection, purity, passion, and perspective. And that's kind of the areas we're going to hit and uh, pray that, that, uh, that God would touch our students in these areas. So are you ready? Are you ready? I believe God's going to hear our prayer. I believe he's going to be with our students. So let's go to the throne of glory right now together. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we've dreamed about a youth group this size for many, many years. We've dreamed about a youth group this fired up for many, many years. And here they are. You've entrusted uh, their care to us. You've entrusted their spiritual development to us. And we take it so, so seriously. Lord, I thank you for every student. I thank you for their walk with God. I thank you for their heart for the kingdom. And so today we pray a covering over them. We pray a mantle over them. We pray a hedge over them, God. And I believe that as this 2022 school year kicks off, that there are going to be some students from Grace Church, God, that are going to make an impact in their, in their campus. They're going to make an impact on their friends and their teachers they're going to do a great work for God. So Lord, I'm praying for peace over every student and I'm praying for peace over every campus. God, I rebuke violence in Jesus' name. I'm praying right now that there would be a peace that passeth all understanding. God, I pray for, uh, for the angels of God to walk up and down those school halls and on those campuses and that you would order the steps of these students every day at every campus. Lord, I'm praying for protection today over every school, every campus, every young person. God, that you would protect them from violence Protect them from bullying, God. Protect them from the, 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 the spirit of the age, God. That their minds would be protected. Their hearts would be protected. Their spirits would be protected in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, for their purity. God, the friends they meet, the people they hang around with. God would be godly friends, pure, holy, anointed time of friendship and connection and relationship. And I pray for the purity of their minds, oh God. Lord, that a hedge would go about their minds. They'd be able to filter out what is of man. They'd be able to filter out what is of this world and that they would be able to plug in to what is of you and is of the kingdom of God. Give them purity, oh God. And I pray to baptize every student with a passion, God, to reach their community, to reach their campus, to reach their friends, to reach their teachers, God. I'm believing that P7 Bible Clubs will be started this year. God, I'm believing that the word of God will, be go, will go forth this year out of the mouth of our students. I'm believing you for it in Jesus' name. And then, Lord, I pray for perspective and understanding, God, that you would open their minds, Lord, where there is learning disability, Lord, that you would heal. Lord, where there is learning disability, that you would open their minds and their ability to learn. God, and they would excel, Lord, even as Daniel and those three Hebrew boys excelled in the land of Babylon. They would be wiser, Lord, and able to absorb more information than all of their peers. 
to be used for the glory of God, to be used in the kingdom of God. And then, Lord, I pray finally for these administrators and teachers and paraprofessionals. I pray for our school board, Lord. I pray for our leaders. Lord, every teacher, every principal, Lord, especially the ones in Grace Church, God, anoint them, empower them, equip them, Lord. Give them great peace. Give them great anointing. Give them great authority. Let them know that they are not alone, God, and that, that you are fighting for them and you are on their side. Lord, I believe it in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I'm praying that 2022 will be the greatest year in school, in school for our kids that we've ever seen in terms of harvest, in terms of anointing, in terms of excelling, in terms of success, in Jesus' name. If you believe that, church, would you clap your hands and shout, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I believe God heard our prayer, and I believe he's working and moving. Students, you're going to have the opportunity to take a prayer cloth uh, with you, as I've mentioned. But we have something special for you this year. And uh, uh, Brandy, great idea. Thank you, Sister Brandy. And then Sister Sheila and Brother Mike made it happen. Uh, There is a pencil uh, there with with a little note card and it's just a word of encouragement and it just it it reminds you that you have been prayed over it reminds you that the prayer cloth has been prayed over yeah you can come on and and, and take it it reminds you that that's been prayed over so when you're discouraged when you're having a bad day you have this um you have this as a reminder let me tell you what it says while you're coming y'all come quickly come quickly it says this is no ordinary pencil this pencil has been prayed over with you in mind Keep this pencil in your desk or in your backpack, and when you are sad, having a bad day, or just need help doing your work, you can hold this in your hand, close your eyes, and know that God is there to help you. I love it, love it, love it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, students, one more time, I just want to tell you, I want you to go with your head up, your shoulders squared. Go in confidence, go knowing you're not alone, and Jesus Christ is walking with you. God bless you. Church, let's give our kids a hand, our students. God bless you today. Well, everybody say praise the Lord. Great to see everyone here today. And I have just have been mesmerized by the wonderful presence of the Lord. It's been in this service today. I have felt the presence of the Lord since the service started, and I feel the presence of the Lord as we speak here right now. Anybody along with me glad that Jesus is here today? If you are, would you clap your hands to the Lord today? I thank him for his presence. Thank the Lord. I know you've been standing for a little while. You'll enjoy it when you sit down in a moment, but I wanted to just say again, welcome everybody. We're thankful for all of our guests here today. Those of you watching on live stream, Facebook, so on, we're so glad to have you joining us as well. And I am just so excited today. We were away for the past couple of weeks, as you know, but um, Sister Landry texted me um, this past week, I believe it was, and said that Brother Steve Fulmar wanted to be baptized this morning, and I about shouted in my motel room. Wonderful. So excited about that. So excited about that. And Steve, congratulations. If you would come up here, we have this certificate for you. Uh, I don't imagine you'll ever forget the day, but if you do, you'll have this to come back to. It just says you were baptized in Jesus' name on Sunday, August 7th, 2022. 
that stuff in the past has gone bye-bye. Right. Congratulations. Love you, Steve. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't the Lord good? Thank the Lord. Look at somebody close to you and tell them I like your hair, dude. Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. I've come today with a message to give to you. And uh, actually, before we read from the Word of God, I want to thank Tanya Coley for leading Move the Mission fundraising this year. She's doing an absolute amazing, amazing job. We thank her so very much. Amen. Uh, some of you folks have already probably been approached by our youth group. They're going to do participate in a walkathon, and they need you to sponsor them. Uh, so many miles, so many dollars per mile, they walk. Brother Dave said this morning to the youth group, "We hope y'all can walk at least one mile." I'm like, my word! I told them we walked 20 when we were that age. Our Sheets for Christ walkathon things was 20 miles, and then they got nice and shortened it to 10. Well, apparently they've gotten real nice now. Just hope you can walk a mile. My word, I could walk a mile. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Better not say that too loud. We'll have to revisit that one. But anyway, but you folks, if you would, y'all, the church has been so great to help with all of these things. I understand the spaghetti dinner sold out, and uh, that was phenomenal. Y'all, Grace Church has just been awesome to support and move the mission. And... Um, and thank you, Tanya. It's just wonderful. Thank you so very much. Let's turn to the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 15, beginning with verse 11. <clears throat> and he, Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living, gave him his inheritance. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he spent all he had, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into his fields to feed swine and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread and enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. And I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants rose and came to his father but when he was a great way off his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him and the son said unto him father I have sinned against heaven and thy sight am no more worthy to be called thy son but the father said to his servants bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found and they began to be merry I want to preach to you just for a few minutes this morning about the beauty of the father's house the beauty 
of the Father's house. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for your patience and standing. God bless you. may be seated. I want to begin this message today by saying how amazing and wonderful it is to be born again. It is wonderful to be born again. I have thought a thousand times and yea, more than that throughout my life of what if my family had been born in a foreign country, for example, the Middle East, to have been born in a Muslim country, to be born uh, in a, a country, a land that, that does not believe in God or that uh, has many other gods that's not real. I want to say to all of us here today, we should all be incredibly thankful to have been born where we've been born and to be where we are right now with full access to all Bible truths and to have the privilege and opportunity to be born again. Everybody say amen. I think that deserves some appreciation to the Lord for that. Amen. It's truly a privilege to repent. It's truly a privilege to repent. I remember when I was a child going to the altar every Sunday night praying for the Holy Ghost. And every time I went, I would tell God how sorry I was for all the sins that I committed. To be honest with you, before I went to sleep last night, I repented. Repentance is an awesome gift that God has given to mankind. To say, God, I'm sorry. And to have God say back, I forgive you. Just like that. All of your sin when you repent is forgiven by God instantly. James said he is faithful and just to forgive them that ask him. It's the beauty of the Father's house. Hallelujah. It's a privilege to have been baptized. I was baptized in April of 1965 was baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus and just like that in an instant down in the water all of my sin immediately every sin ever committed is washed away instantly you're forgiven in repentance they're forgotten in water baptism Told Brother Steve this morning that back here in the back, I said, when you go down in the water, I don't know what all's in his past, and that's between him and God. But all of us have sinned, the Bible said, and come short of the glory of God. All of us have. But the moment Steve went down in the water, every sin he ever committed was washed away and forgotten by the beautiful divine nature of Almighty God. I told him, you could ask God tonight. You could tell God tomorrow. God, that sin three years ago, five years ago, whatever it was, I'm really sorry about that. And God could honestly answer him back and say, what sin? I don't know what you're talking about. That's how this works. This is the beauty of the Father's house. And it's been truly a privilege not to receive the Holy Ghost just initially on the first time when I was 12 years old, but I have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost 9,000 times or more since then. I've been filled up with the Holy Ghost over and over and over and over and over again. 
and I plan to be filled up with the Holy Ghost again today. I plan on receiving the Holy Ghost next week and the week after that. I just am never tired of being filled up with the power of the Holy Ghost in my life. Everybody clap your hands and shout yes. It's truly a privilege today to have access to God Almighty anywhere, anytime. Sister Murph and I and others from Grace Church have been going to Bible quizzing for the past couple of weeks. You all know that. I didn't leave God here. When we were at the tournament in the big, big convention hall and Man, watching these kids, Noah and Joseph's age. <laughs> I don't know, it just really hit me this time. These kids know some Bible verses, you hear me? They can, it's like computers. They hit that buzzer and out it comes. The power of the Word of God was emanating in that hotel. We went to the Sight and Sound Theater in Branson and watched the a live drama called Jesus. Uh, we went year before last, went this year, and it was filled with Bible quizzers. The, the theater was filled with Bible quizzers, was filled with their coaches. They all know the Bible. There were preachers there, and God blessed, no doubt, the people that showed up that had no clue who they were going to be watching that drama with that night. But I will tell you right now, when they portrayed Jesus coming out of that tomb, those Bible quizzers and coaches and all of the people in that stood to their feet, clapped their hands, and shouted with a voice of triumph, and I felt the presence of God Almighty there. It's the beauty. It's the beauty of the Father's house. Hallelujah. I didn't leave God here. I felt him there. I felt God praying in our hotel room. It's truly a privilege to have some knowledge of the Word of God. It's a privilege to be right with God. It's a privilege to be right with God. That I don't have to walk into the church feeling condemnation. I don't have to go to bed, to bed at night afraid that something might happen during the night. It's so amazing tonight or today to be right with God. It's amazing today to have heaven in my future. Oh God. I think we take these things for granted. But it's the beauty of the Father's house. It's truly a privilege to have been blessed, to have been healed, to have been encouraged and comforted and guided and inspired by the Holy Ghost. It's the beauty of the Father's house. The beauty of the Father's house. Brother Dave commented in his prayer a few moments ago that, God, we've waited a long time for a youth group like the one we have. And we have a guest here today, and I apologize. I did not meet her before the service. I don't know uh, who she's with or any of that. I don't know her name. But she stood up here a little while ago speaking in tongues uh, just for a long time while the praise team was singing. I don't know if she's had the Holy Ghost before or not, but if she didn't have it before, she sure has it now. It's the beauty. It's the beauty of the Father's house. Hallelujah to God. There's so many things about being in the church. There's so many things about being in the kingdom of God. 
far too many to try to enumerate this morning. But we're all blessed people. And I love living in the Father's house. Love living in the Father's house. But we have an amazing youth group here today. I'm so proud of them. When we pulled up in the parking lot, Sister Murphy and I this morning, there was a host of them going next door to the A Center to pray. I told Sister Murphy, as soon as I get situated, I'm going over there with them. And I did. It was amazing at how many of our young people, thank you, Mom and Dad, for getting them here. Thank you for getting them here. And because they were over there, we had moms and dads over there praying. There was a lot of prayer going on before this service this morning from our youth group. <clears throat> but the beauty of the Father's house is reflected in our amazing youth group. They love living in the Father's house. They love being in the church. They love being in the church on countless times. They've said no to sin. They've said no to temptation. Countless times. They have chosen when mom and dad says it's time to go to church, excuse me, I'm going to reverse that. Some of them remind their mom and dad, hey, it's time to go to church. We need to get dressed and go to church. I know this because I hear this from their parents. I had a parent tell me one time I came home from work Wednesday. On Wednesday evening, it was, it was late. I didn't get home about 6.30. I was exhausted. I was hungry. I hadn't eaten. And my daughter was standing in the living room. And when I walked in the door, she said, hurry up, daddy. We've got to go to church church tonight. That was for a Wednesday night Bible study. Our young people love the Father's house. They love being in the church. They love being born again. They love being filled with the Holy Ghost. They love the excitement about living in the Father's house. They love Friday night youth social. Somebody asked me this week, when are we going starting the Friday night youth social things again? It's coming. Dear me, y'all been to three weeks of youth camp, camp meeting. But they love the Father's house. They love being in the church. They love the church. They love the church. They love Wednesday night. Somebody told me this morning, one of our kids told me this morning next door, hugged me and said, we missed you so bad, Pastor. You missed you so bad. And something just went off in my head that they're here every Wednesday night. They don't like to stay home. They don't find it quite as easy as uh, some of the older folks they live with. I'll just say it that way. And we have families at Grace Church, and you all know this, that drive a long ways to be here. Brandy has Greeley here every time the doors are open, and they live in Montpelier, almost to Amite, Louisiana. They drive a long ways. And uh, we have the frames here this morning. It's driving back and forth from Melville. Driving a long ways. You know why they do it? It's because they love the Father's house. Y'all not hearing me this morning. If y'all were hearing me, I'd give more than just that ceremonial, good Pentecostal, traditional, amen. No, I don't want that. If you're happy to be in the house of God today, I believe we need to show God some excitement and some appreciation that I've been born again. I've been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. My sins have been washed away. I've been healed. I've been delivered. I've been set free. Whatever you want to put in that blank, it's the beauty.
of living in for God, of being in the Father's house. It's the beauty of the Father's house. Praise God. So our young, our youth group, they love Wednesday. They love Sunday. They love Friday night youth social. They love youth camp. Around March or April of this year, I heard several of our young people saying, I can't wait to youth camp. Can't wait to youth camp. They all went. I, I guarantee you most of them went to all three camps. They attended one and worked the other two. And then a lot of them went back to camp meeting. They have strong convictions in their relationship with God. And as we know, knowing Joseph, and I'm so proud of them, they love Bible quizzing. Love it. They love it. It takes about an hour and a half, six days a week, every day, six days a week, an hour and a half a day that they do quoting. And, and now it's going to get more than that because of this, the demands of senior quizzing. But they want to do it. They want to do it. It's not mom and dad saying, you get in there and you go do that or else. No, they want to do it. They have a choice to do it or not. And they love doing it. They love the beauty of the Father's house. We have amazing families here today at Grace Church that, have, that love the Father's house. They have strong convictions, strong marriages. And their kids love the kingdom of God as well. It's the beauty of the Father's house. But sometimes... In any given family, in any given church, on any given day, a person that has been perceived to be a faithful child of God can be a young person, can be a mother, can be a daddy, but they just wake up one day and say, I've decided. To leave the Father's house. You can't always know the reason. It could be a seed of rebellion. It could be a seed of bitterness. It could be hurt. It could be loneliness. But most of the time people just have a desire. I've been around the church. A lot of people all of their life. Others most of their life. Others long enough to know. That there's a whole lot of stuff out there that I've never experienced. So I want to go see what the world and sin is all about. I've had people tell me, Pastor, I just want to experience all the things that I never could. I want to experience all the things that my parents would never let me do. I want to go to places that my parents would never let me go. If you're our teenagers here today, I've seen it happen a thousand times since the advent of the cell phone, the mobile phone, the smartphone, all the descriptions it's been given. But it starts right there. They start rebelling against their parents. And a lot of it I attribute to the smartphone. All the apps. Somebody said one time, especially law enforcement says it all the time, that smoking marijuana is a gateway drug to all the other hardcore drugs and all of that. In a lot of cases, it's undeniably true. I believe apps on a smartphone is a gateway to God only knows what. A lot of people end up addicted 
to the horrible, grievous sin of pornography. Happens through their cell phone, the internet, and all of that. You have all the dating apps where you can do the one-night hookups, and I know nothing about it. All the little quick chat and smart chat and disappear chat, invisible chat, write with invisible ink chat. You can just chat your brains out with all these chat apps they have on these phones and pictures that disappear. It's amazing because you don't want to get caught, right? I've had more than one parent at this church come to me and say, Pastor, my daughter sent inappropriate pictures of herself to someone and sent it to the wrong person. It's happened more than once. But something happens in the heart and, and, and everybody seemingly goes through it. You, you reach a point sometimes when you've just been in the church for years, months and years. And it just sometimes it seems it becomes a grind. I'm being honest and I'm being real. And uh, you see all the stuff, the billboards, the commercials, and all the advertisement of stuff. And you say, I want that. I want that. I want some alcohol. I want some drugs. I want some sex. I want some this. I want some that. And mom and daddy wouldn't let me do it. And, and now I'm married to an apostolic. And they certainly don't want to do it. I just want to go through all this stuff. So I want to leave. I've seen it happen with married people. I'm going to be a little specific, maybe a little graphic today. But this year especially, with some of our married couples, they've decided, I've had enough of this. I don't want to do this no more. I don't want to live like this anymore. But it's amazing the path that's chosen. Uh, There's been financial pressures. There's been job pressures, all the COVID pressure. There's been kids, kid pressure. Just the family, just the family unit right now with everybody is just being assaulted on every side. A lot of cheating has been going on. And somehow people feel vindicated. The kids go haywire. They're an emotional basket case because mom and dad don't get along and they argue and fuss and all of that. Then divorce comes and And then here comes another stepdad, another stepmother, and all of that kind of stuff. I want to have everybody here understand today that one of the saddest verses in the Bible, in my opinion, is where Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. What people don't realize is when you decide to leave the Father's house, You're becoming somewhat of a prophetical statistic. The Bible said in the New Testament, Paul said that in the last days there would be a great falling away. So when you choose to leave the Father's house, you're falling away. You you become a fulfillment of that prophecy. Our culture, our world, all of that has more influence in your life than the church does in your relationship with God does. Grace Church has had its share of those that have fallen away. Every church does. They turned their back on things they used to believe. They turned their back on key doctrinal beliefs. Some no longer I've talked to them. I know what I'm talking about today. 
I had a preacher ask me about 10 years ago, do you really believe it's necessary? A United Pentecostal Church apostolic preacher asked me about 10 years ago, do you really believe, do you really believe, Brother Murphy, that a person really has to speak in tongues to be saved? Stared at the man. Talk about being blindsided. I don't know what to say. And he's moved to that position. As a matter of fact, he's taken a step further and don't believe you have to be baptized anymore. They, the people turned their back on key doctrinal beliefs. We forget what has brought us to this place of blessing that we're dissatisfied with. We forget the long journey that God had to make to make all of this salvation stuff possible. So some have turned their back on key doctrinal beliefs. Some no longer believe that water baptism is essential, that, that speaking in tongues is necessary. They, I've talked to people that uh, they don't believe in eternity anymore, that you just die and nothing happens. There's no heaven. There's no hell. They've turned their back. They've left the Father's house. People do not understand the soberness of the verse that says, when you leave the Father's house and in the context of this message, when you develop that kind of attitude, that God can send you a strong delusion and you'll believe a lie and you'll be damned. It's leaving the Father's house. It's heartbreaking. It's mind-boggling. And I have prayed many prayers and I have cried many tears for people who are leaving and have left the Father's house. I talked to someone just several months ago, and I don't want to be too specific, but I was amazed at what they've abandoned. They've questioned virtually every key doctrine, principle, concept that the Bible teaches. None of that's real anymore, they said. Have embraced our strong very influential beliefs of our culture right now. All of this marriage stuff and people can marry anybody they want and, and all of that. It's just uh, terminating a baby's life. And I don't see anything wrong with that, the person said. It was a brazen move to me. It's a brazen move for the prodigal to leave home. It's gutsy. My parents would have said he had a lot of gall. To walk up to his daddy and say, I don't want to live here anymore. It's embarrassing for the dad. It's humiliating for the dad. But more than that, it's heart crushing for the dad. The tragedy of the prodigal leaving home, and it happens with people in the church. They don't want to just move next door. They don't want to move down the street. They don't want to move to the other side of the town. They want to go as far away as they can go. When I was a teenager, it just seemed like people would compromise just a little bit and we would just be shocked that we can't believe that person is doing this. Nowadays, you would consider what they were doing back then nothing. Just no big deal. Because nowadays, when people leave the Father's house, there are no more parameters. There are no more convictions. Nothing is seemingly a sin anymore. And I want to say here in passing, and I don't want to sound disparaging, 
But I know a lot of pastors, especially in our areas, they've let all the stuff go that we believe. It's to the point that I would like to ask them, what do you teach in your church that's a sin? I would like to question, do you even teach that killing somebody's a sin? That robbing a bank is a sin? I don't know what is a sin anymore. It's when people abandon the father's house. The prodigal didn't stop at the house next door. He didn't rent a house with his buddy on the other side of town. Jesus tells the story that he went to a far country. I'm going to go as far out there as I can go. He had a lot of money and he had a lot of time. And he lived it up. And if you'll excuse the expression, the way Jesus described it in our culture today, you would truly call him a party animal. He lived it up. He did Whatever he wanted to do, there's no dad around, no mom around, no family around, no church people around. For the first time in his life, he could do everything he wanted and he could live just like he pleased. He became a statistic of prophecy, if you will. It goes something like this. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, This know also in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own self. More than lovers of God. They'll be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure. I want the world. I want all the pleasures of the world. I want to be able to drink and smoke and curse and swear. I want to be able to cheat and steal. I want to just be able to do whatever I want to do. I want to live flesh. I want to live my mind, my heart. I want to live it up. But verse 5 scares me to death, and I'll come to this in a moment. These people have a form of godliness. But they deny the power thereof. I want to ask a question here today. Is there anybody here that understands what I'm preaching? Do you understand it? I need more than that. Do you understand what I'm preaching here today? You must realize that you, there are people here today that have these feelings. These attitudes are being manifested. And people see it. There may be families here today that see it in your own life. If you're honest, you'll admit, yes, I'm doing this. I'm living this way right now. If you're honest, you'll admit it. Or maybe there's a spouse here today that says, yes, my spouse is doing all of that. There may be a parent here today that says, yes, my kids are doing that right now. There may be kids here right now that are saying, my parents have just flipped out. I don't even know who they are today. Because they made a decision to leave Father's house. Listen to Pastor. You listen to Pastor. Everybody listen. My fifth grade teacher would say, put both feet on the floor and sit straight up and listen. You can do this. But the next step 
is a famine. A famine always comes. A famine always comes. The bottom falls out in one way or another, and it happens to everybody. When Jesus told this story, we always shoot to the end. We read the first verse, the prodigal left the father, and we skipped all the rest and head to the end of it where he came home and there's all this rejoicing. We'll come to that in a minute. But there's a part in that we don't put quite enough emphasis on. So there comes a famine. We know how true the principle of this story is. We've lived it with people all of our lives. Yes, we have. And there always comes a famine. Something, in one way or another, things just don't go right. The sad part of it, the tragedy of it, is the prodigal did not make the connection. There's a consequence for leaving the father's house. Don't matter who you are. Don't matter. Don't matter. Don't matter to me. Don't matter. It happens to everybody. There's always a consequence. There's a book out right now, and I'm, I'm wanting to read it, and I just keep forgetting to order it. The Consequence of the Path, something like that. We've talked about it. The Principle of the Path. The Principle of the Path. I want to read it, and I plan to teach out of it. You can go ahead and read it. When I teach it, you'll understand it better. It's the principle of the path that no matter what path you take in life, there's going to be a consequence. Something is going good or bad, good or bad. It could be blessing. It could be tragedy. It could be anything. But where, what I want everybody to understand here this morning is that people don't make the connection. You don't read all of this stuff happening to the elder brother who stayed at the house. Do you? You don't read it. He had good things to eat and a nice place to sleep and all of that. He didn't leave the father's house. All this stuff that happened to the prodigal, it didn't happen to the elder brother. It's the principle of the path. And it's amazing to me that while the prodigal was starving to death, he said, there's still bread in my father's house. Whether there's a famine or not, God is still going to take care of his people. David said, I was young and now I'm old and I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging bread. Amen. But people don't make the connection. They don't interpret their situation, their circumstance, their life as the problems I'm having right now is because I left the father's house. They don't see it that way. They don't interpret it that way. And now they're experiencing a terrible time of heartbreak, shattered dreams, and seemingly no hope for the future. Their marriage is broken, their home is broken, their life is broken. Why? Because they left the Father's house. I'm not here to preach that nothing goes wrong in the Father's house. But I'm going to tell you right now, I've determined a long time ago, I'd rather something bad happen to me in the Father's house than something bad happen to me outside the Father's house. I know what I'm talking about today. The prodigal, listen to this, the prodigal joined himself to a citizen of that country. He doesn't come home when his life fell apart. He doesn't associate the problem and the source of the problem with leaving the father's house. So he's in a mess. He's broke, can't find a job, 
So instead of coming back home, then he keeps going on this journey and he joins up with a citizen of that country. That country don't know him. They don't know the blessing he left. They don't understand who his daddy is. He can't even talk to them about his daddy. They have no clue who his family is. And there's people here today that don't understand. You're in a place right now because you left the father's house. And now you've joined up with people outside the father's house. And it just keeps getting worse. He doesn't return to his roots at this point. He don't return to his upbringing at this point. No, he joins up with the people around him. He becomes like them. And his situation continues to get worse. Loneliness sets in. Depression sets in. Guilt sets in. Condemnation sets in. Worthlessness sets in. A lack of purpose I'm not overextending the scripture. If you study the scripture and understand where he ends up, then you tell me the dude ain't depressed. When you look at where he ends up, you tell me he's not lonely. You, you try to convince me that he's not feeling a little guilt and shame right now. He ends up not working on a farm and feeding swine. That's not what he's doing. He's living with them. I haven't been around it enough, but I've been around it two or three times. Go to someone's house and they have a pig pen out in their backyard and what have you. I just can't describe here today what it looks like, what it smells like, and what it must feel like to lay down in it and try to go to sleep and then wake up the next morning and try to find something to eat. Do I need to get more graphic or do y'all have the picture? This is where the dude is living. He's living with swine. Y'all don't understand. He's not just living with them. Now, to survive, he has to live like them. Pigs don't share. Have you ever been to a pig pen? Have you ever seen the farmer throw some feed in there and one step back and tell the other, no, you go ahead, I'll, 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 I'll come when you're done. They don't share. It's all for one and one for all in that, in that situation right there. So he had to live like them. If he was going to eat, he had to shove a six, 700-pound hog out of the way and try to get his hand into some form of the most disgusting vileness I can't even describe here today, to pick that up and try to pick something out of it that would give him some nourishment. He wasn't living with them. He was living like them. He ate like them. He slept like them. He wallowed in the mud like them. If he was going to survive the pig pen, this is the only way you can do it. And there's people... Here today, you don't see it this way, you don't interpret it this way, but sin has encroached into your life and your mind and your heart and your living. There's no love there, there's no compassion, there's no hope, 
There's no one to feel sorry for him. The Bible says this. And as Jesus tells a story, a miracle happens. I wish it would happen here today. Oh, I wish it would happen here. I prayed that it would happen here today. A light comes on in this man's head. It's interesting to me that it took this long. He had to go this far and fall that far and end up like he ended up before that light came on. I'd like to tell the dude, are you stupid? Why did you have to go that far to realize what the problem is? When you ran out of money, you should have realized something's up. When you couldn't find a job, you should have realized something's up. When you couldn't find any more friends, you should have realized something's up. But he was blinded. He was delusional. He couldn't see a way forward. But God in his kindness, God in his mercy, let the dude just have a a revelatory moment. A miracle happens. The Bible said he comes to himself. I want you to notice today. It wasn't his bed that he missed. It wasn't convenience that he missed. He missed bread. How many servants of my father's house have bread and bread enough to spare? He missed the bread. You know what the bread is? The bread is sustenance. The bread is provision. The bread is security. The bread is strength. It's sitting at a table with your daddy every day. <laughs> the psalmist said that. He prepareth a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. My cup runs over. It's the beauty of the Father's house. It's the beauty of being back home with your dad. It didn't matter if he had just left last week. Or if he had just moved down the street a block or two. Or if he's living in a foreign country and had been gone for years. He never ceased to be welcomed to come back home. The beauty of the Father's house. I want to preach to some folks here today. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad it's been. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you smell like. It don't matter who your mom and daddy is. It don't matter what kind of job you have. It don't matter what kind of car you drive. If you left the Father's house, you are always welcome to come home. Hallelujah. I'm... I'm I'm almost done. I didn't mean to preach this long. Yes, I did, but here's what it is. But here's what we're dealing with today. This is what I've come to preach. That was my introduction. When the prodigal comes home, he brings a pig pen with him. This struck me at Bible quizzing this past week. He didn't stop at J.C. Penney's or Macy's or Dillard's or somewhere and order him some new clothes. He didn't dress up to see his daddy. He didn't go buy new shoes to see his daddy. He didn't take a shower. He came home with pig pen all over him. If it had been me, knowing Glenn Murphy like I know if I'd have been that dude, I'd have, I'd have found a hard straw somewhere, uh, a pond. Surely, 
They were in famine, but it didn't say drought. You find a puddle of water somewhere. I'm going home to my daddy. I don't want to go home stinking and looking like I don't know what. Mud, pig stuff caked up under his fingernails. But he didn't. He brought the pig pen home with him. And there's people in our culture today, you listen to pastor, that is wanting God and the church to accept the pig pen like it's nothing. We will meet you at the door with all of your pig pen stuff. But if you really want to be back in your daddy's house, you need to put on the robe that he brings you. You know what's interesting to me? And uh, there's a, a little slang term that I use. It's, it's not vulgar or nothing like that. But I'll say sometimes that people like to fuss and cuss. And they don't ever cuss. It's just a, is it a colloquialism? Whatever that word is. People love to fuss and cuss. I don't like living like daddy requires me to live. But when that boy got home, his daddy went somewhere in that house, Brother Donnie, and got a garment for his son to wear. He didn't send somebody to Walmart or to Macy's. He had the right clothing, the right outfit for that prodigal son. And you don't read one word where the prodigal said, I ain't wearing that. I don't want to wear that. I wore all that junk when I was here before. All that stuff that daddy wanted me to wear. He didn't complain. He was so glad to be able to sit down at a table that had plenty of food on it. I'll wear whatever you want me to wear. Just feed me bread every day. There was an attitude he had to embrace. There were some principles that he was that he had to embrace. There were some concepts that he had to embrace when you come back to your father's house. And I want to say to you today, to everybody here today, that <laughs> when you live in sin for a while, then you realize why pastors preached against it so much because it is pretty nasty. I'm not stupid. There's a lot of things out in the world that's fun to do. I believe there's a lot of things that Pentecostals could do if you wouldn't get stupid with it. But one thing leads to another. I didn't get a lot of support on that one, but I still believe it. But when you've lived it for a while, I, I, I'm done, and I'm going to try not to ramble. I see my wonderful brother-in-law and his wife back there, Ricky and Pam. Sister Murphy's younger brother. While I've been preaching, I look up and scan the crowd, of course, and I see them sitting back there and their memories start flooding. Uh, Ricky and I met when 
we were young teenagers. And uh, he, Sister Murph, his wife Pam, Sister Landry was a part of that youth group then. We made a decision to stay in the Father's house no matter what. But you know what clinched it for me? I'll tell you what clinched it. Let me tell you this story, then I'll have you stand. I told you the story many times. A lot of you know it to be true. In our home church in those days, in the late 70s, I guess, mid-70s through the 80s, tremendous revival of people coming from everywhere, but a huge quantity of what was called back then hippies. They did drugs and LSD and marijuana and smoke. There were three couples that told me that they lived on Bourbon Street, New Orleans for three weeks in a Volkswagen van. Three couples lived together in a Volkswagen van. And all they did was just stayed high. When they came in, when they started coming to church, I was kind of scared of these people. There was one fellow that came. He, his beard was down to his belt buckle and his hair was down to his waist, dressed in army fatigues and black boots. And he just looked like you should be afraid of this man. Big man that he would just pound you into the concrete. He told me later he loved to play football. He played football for Central High. Loved to play football. He played on the line, defensive line, I believe it was. He said, I'd smoke a weed before the game started, get a little buzz in my head going on, and I'd just look for somebody I could hurt. He said, I didn't care who won. I just want to hurt somebody. <clears throat> Scary. And I watched him filled with the Holy Ghost one night. Baptized in Jesus' name. Came back to the service. Walked up to him and I said, hey, I'm Glenn Murphy. Glad to see you. And he laughed. He said, I was here last Sunday. Told me his name. I his haircut was about as long as mine. The beard was gone and all that. I didn't recognize him. I didn't know who he was. But they said, more than one time, all of those group of people said, Ricky, when our youth choir would sing, you've heard these stories. Pam, you've heard it. They'd say, look at them young teenagers up there. They called us choir boys. Our pale face. I thought I had a pretty good tan back then, but maybe not. But pale-faced, clean-cut, singing church songs. We didn't smoke. We didn't drink. We didn't curse. You know what the hippie said? I want what they've got. And when they came into the church, the pastor would brag on the hippies all the time. And they would tell us, he needs to be bragging on y'all because y'all didn't have to go the path we did to find what you found. You found it at an early age. And it's kept you and sustained you. And it's kept you from being a drug addict and an alcoholic and sex and cheating and all of that stuff. I'm preaching about the beauty of the Father's house. Everybody stand here this morning. And I am desirous today. Oh, God, I'm so desirous. For our young people to even embrace the Father's house even more. For our moms and dads to embrace the church even more. And if there's people that's living kind of part in and part out and trying to make it work, you know you can't take the church to the pig pen unless you convert the pigs. 
but you sure can't bring it back. Because when you come back, God wants to clean you up. God wants to make you brand new again. And I hope and pray somebody is wanting to make that choice right now. That I've been out there a little too long. I've been trying to balance it out a little too long. And I just want to come back to my father's house and feel no condemnation. To feel no guilt. To feel no shame. To feel no heartbreak anymore. To feel like once and for all I'm truly right. beauty of the Father's house is still here and you're all still welcome so as they begin to play and sing we're just going to do it real simple and short I didn't even have to say it, here comes our young folks, they love the Father's house but the rest of you come join them here today come join them here everybody come, everybody come everybody come, if you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, welcome to the Father's house if you need encouragement and inspiration, if you want to make a new commitment welcome to the Father's house you're welcome here today. You're welcome here today. Everybody come and let's talk to the Lord. Thank the Lord. Everybody reach out. For your mercy never fails me. Never fails. All my days have been held Never fails. From the moment that I wake Would you reach heavenward today, everybody? God, I love being in the Father's house. God, I want to stay right here. God, I never want to walk away from the Father's house. If you have, you're welcome to come back, but you never have to walk away. You can be a part of what God is doing. You can experience the blessing and power in God's life in your life again. God can move on you today. God can bless you. Come on, Grace Church. Let's spend a little time with Jesus before we leave. Come on, somebody, talk to the Lord right now. Come on, somebody, don't continue the path you're on. Come back to the past. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father.